Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We got Bow Wow in the house. My man Lil Zane. Lil Wayne, Sammy Saint took me. Strike one, caught you by surprise. Strike two, right before your eyes. Bitch uh, three, this one's to the wall. Uh, Ain't uh, no one like uh, a single fireball. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Believe in College Baseball. We are your hosts, Alan Saz and Orlando Razo. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and Luminary. If you like us, leave us five stars. If you don't like us, don't leave us five stars, but please tell us why. Subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. We have a great show for you today, and Orlando is going to get into it by introducing our wonderful guest, Orlando, go ahead. We now welcome on a very, very special guest. We're not going to say he's the most special guest because that would be disrespectful to our other guests, but he's for sure top three of our three guests. And he's one of the greatest baseball minds, not just in the country, but I think a lot would say in the entire world. Uh, One of the best coaches in the country, by all accounts, one of the best humans in the country. Uh, Coach Eric Valenzuela of Long Beach State. Coach, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're, we're so happy to have you. Jeez, man, that was unbelievable. I, I, I disagree with all of that probably, but uh, <laughs> I, am, uh, I am pumped to be here. And Alan Orlando, thank you for having me. And um, it's an honor, guys, so I'm pumped to get after it and, and uh, learn from you guys and, and uh, you know, share kind of uh you know our story and and, uh yeah this is great man i'm pumped to be here uh you know you you jumped on the radar really quickly after that Uh, were you surprised i know every year you feel like Mm -hmm. you have a good team if if you're a coach or if you're a player but were you a little surprised that how well your team at least started off the season. I know some teams can kind of Mm -hmm. take a while to find its stride. Were you surprised? Mm -hmm. Did you expect it? That's a good question. And, and, you know, from the very beginning, when we got in and our coaching staff got to work and, and, uh, and just really, you know, kind of started talking to these guys, communicating with these guys, seeing them on the field, you know, it was never a talent issue. Um, these guys were super talented, and, and you know, the previous coaching staff did a great job of recruiting these guys. And they're all good kids, and they work hard. And and um, you know, the the reason for for the past couple of years is I don't know. I mean, it was it was a really good good group. And so, you know, we we didn't really talk much about the past. We just wanted to move forward and and uh, <clears throat> you know, just coach these guys up and. You know, so going into the season, I felt like we had a really good fall. I felt like there was a lot of different dynamics to our group. I felt like we were, you know, we could be offensive as far as having some power, uh, being able to run, 
um, being able to execute. I thought we played good defense. We had a lot of depth um, from the defensive side of things. I questioned just the depth of our pitching a little bit. Um, I felt like we had good starters um, and a couple of good relievers. I just, you know, we had a lot of inexperience and we didn't have a lot of arms. So just the, the number of arms was something that I just wasn't used to. Um, and so, yes, there's always question marks. I mean, you want to go into being positive and, and I felt like our team was good, but I also felt like, you know, wow, you look at our schedule. I mean, we're opening up with Cal and then we got Wake Forest and then we got Mississippi State and then we got a tough, you know, Xavier team who was going to be battle tested because they played really tough. They played a really tough schedule coming up, leading up to us and then going on the road to Tulane. So you just kind of never know, you know, how it's going to play out. And, um, you know, so surprised, um, I would say probably, you know, I mean, a little bit probably um, just with the, you know, how we can, but, but again, we were at home um, as well. And, uh, and Blairfield is a very difficult place to play. I mean, you have to, uh, you have to do a lot of things, right. You got to pitch, you got to throw strikes, you got to play great defense. Um, you know, it's not going to be a lot of, uh, of offense, not going to be a lot of power hitting and, and home runs and things, especially at night. And so, um, Hey, I, I was just fired up with these guys' energy and their passion. And I just felt like, you know, we just we just kind of got it rolling a little bit, and they just got confident, and they just uh, they played together, they played loose, and um, hey, I, I I'm you know bummed out that we couldn't we couldn't finish it, you know, but it is what it is, and uh, we got a good group coming back, and and uh, pretty much the same team with with uh, some added monsters, so so we're pumped. Yeah, no, definitely, and I know exactly what you're talking about when you talk about um you know Blair Field because I think I did a showcase there back in the day uh, and I was in high school and I never felt like I needed to get in the weight room more until I showed up to that field and uh yeah so I know exactly what you're talking about um but you know kind of leading into what you know what you were saying obviously mm-hmm. what we're dealing with now the coronavirus has affected mm-hmm. everyone you know we try to mm-hmm. make this a space where you know people can think all on the good things but the fact of the matter is it's a part of everything you know so Mm -hmm. Orlando was uh telling me before the show that your team was actually in New Orleans when a lot of uh, everything went down can you walk us through Mm -hmm. kind of that process and how everything happened and how you're dealing with the team now absolutely so you know so you're talking about that kind of Wednesday of that week um what are we talking here two weeks ago and so we didn't have a midweek that week. We just had a, you know, we, we played Xavier in a tough series. Um, and then we didn't have a midweek game. Um, and, uh, actually we did, I'm sorry. We played San Diego state. And then, you know, we're getting ready to leave on, on Thursday. I'm on the phone with my athletic in communication with the president and, uh, amongst team doctors and things just kind of, it hadn't really blown up yet. Like teams just hadn't, you know, decided not to play. It just hadn't happened just yet. And so we had communicated and we were, you know, one of two West coast teams flying out to, you know, far. I mean, we, it was us and and Fresno state was flying out to Oklahoma state. I believe it was Oklahoma state. And so I'd been, I had been in contact with coach Batesel too at Fresno state, just seeing kind of what they were doing. And, and, you know, basically it just came down to, you know, are we going to be kind of the first ones to just shut it down and not make the trip? And, and um, you know, at that point there wasn't any restrictions as far as our conference or the NCAA. So, you know, me and our athletic director decided, hey, man, I mean, this is, let's go. I mean, let's get on the plane and let's, let's go until they tell us we can't, you know. And so that's exactly what happened. And, 
you know, our flight was early. And so we left Long Beach at about 425 in the morning. And we had a 725 flight out of LAX to, to New Orleans. And, um, you know, once we got on that plane, you know, I never, I get on a plane and I'm, you know, I'm doing some work or I'm, I don't ever have my phone on or pay for Wi-Fi or do any of that stuff. But for some reason, I said, you know what, there's just a lot of stuff that could happen here. And, and so I, I got the Wi-Fi thing going on my phone and, you know, I'm checking, uh, I'm checking Twitter and getting on it. And, and just little by little, I just start seeing, you know, this, this uh, the Ivy League and, you know, these different kind of leagues and these series canceled and stuff. Meanwhile, we're 30,000 feet in the air, you know, flying to New Orleans. And now I'm in, uh, you know, communication with my athletic director via text. And he's just saying, hey, this isn't looking very good. I have a meeting, you know, a conference call with the Big West. And, you know, so now it's like, oh, man, we're like two, two uh, hours into our flight. And, and uh, it's, just, it's, it's getting crazy. I mean, by the time we were, you know, about an hour from landing, we had known already that the series was canceled. Um, and, and we were already, our, our athletics department secretary uh, was already looking for flights to get us back once we landed. And so there, there wasn't any communication during the flight with any of our, uh, with any of our players until we landed and we got all of our, uh, you know, we got all of our baggage and, we kind of just met as a group and said, Hey, I mean, it's, uh, you know, this is the reality of it. It's, it happened while we were in the air and now we got to, you know, find a flight back. And so we had about five hours, um, six hours, I think. And, and we hopped on a bus and we drove quickly down the street to have some lunch. Thought we'd have some, uh, you know, some Southern, some Southern eating down there while we were down there. We had a quick lunch as a group. Got to. You got to. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, we got back, and we actually, I don't know if you saw on, on Twitter, we posted a picture from Bourbon Street. We After lunch, we drove, and we were just going to drive through Bourbon Street just to see and let the guys see it before we headed back to the airport. And we drove down, and the bus driver stopped, and we literally got out for two minutes, took a team picture right in the middle of the street, and got back on the bus and went back to the airport. And then we, we uh, had a 755 flight that got that got delayed an hour, of course, and uh, just made our day a little longer. And then uh, we got back on the plane and, and arrived back. And I mean, we got back uh, to Long Beach at about 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And so we basically flew to New Orleans to have lunch and come back. So that's what, what it ended up being. <laughs> Probably a hell of a lunch, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Absolutely. So the guys were good, you know, I mean, there wasn't any frustration or anything. Hey, we, we wanted to be aggressive. I mean, it was a big series for us. We weren't going to be the ones that they were going to have to shut us down to, to uh, not have us go on that trip. And so, um, yeah, it was a long day, but you know, we wanted to play that series for sure. Yeah, of course you did. You know, I mean, and, and so much just keeps changing day by day. I feel like now things are, you know, getting a, a tad quieter, or maybe we're just used to how things have been changing so much. But one mm -hmm. thing that um, that did come down this this week was the ruling on the eligibility. So mm -hmm. I was very curious about that. You know, I was a junior college transfer that ended up going mm -hmm. back east. Um, so I was just kind of interested in what you thought about how um, the NCAA ruled yeah. on that and what challenges it might bring you obviously there's some there's positives and you know mm -hmm. negatives in a way you know and just what are the um challenges and kind of 
exciting parts yeah. of what, what they decided to do. Absolutely. I think <clears throat> when you make a decision that's going to benefit the current players, um, that's always a good decision. When you're talking about benefiting the student athlete, I think that's the most important thing. So, you know, the NCAA ruling of allowing all these guys to have an extra year of eligibility is always a, it's a good thing. Can you imagine the opposite of them not being able to have a year you know, you got guys, seniors that, that played 15 games in their last year, you know, guys that have that could potentially get drafted, you know, um, a lot of things um, that can happen. And, and so I, I'm actually happy that it happened. Yes, there's added work, you know, to an added, you know, budgetary work to, you know, schools and athletic programs and, you know, coaching staffs and programs. I mean, it's just it is, it is what it is. Um, but when you benefit the student athlete, that's the most important thing. And so I'm happy for our guys. Now, on the flip side of it, <clears throat> we have some work to do, you know, and that's that's what we've been doing, you know, this last week. Um, I've had numerous conference calls with, you know, our current team. Um, not only that, our incoming class that's coming in, incoming freshmen slash JC transfers, um, and with our, you know, with our younger commits, um, you know, just – keeping everybody updated, you know, talking, communicating, um, and having some very difficult conversations because ultimately what it did was, um, you know, you, you basically have five classes, right? So, so freshmen that were freshmen this year on our current team are freshmen again, sophomores are sophomores again, juniors are juniors again, seniors. So, so now you have five classes because now you have an extra, you know, freshman slash JC transfer group coming in right behind them. So, right. you know, looking ahead, this is actually, you know, kind of a, three to four year decision, you know, that, that is going to affect and trickle down to not only the 20 class that's coming in, but the 21 class that you have, com that, that schools have committed and possibly 22s, you know, which are, which are sophomores, you know, and so, um, you know, those are just putting some pieces together and trying to figure out how, you know, how we're going to make this work from a financial side of things. What the NCAA did is, is they left it up to each school from, from a financial standpoint for the seniors. So, for instance, we have seven seniors, and I believe three of them, four of them are on scholarship. So the NCAA left it up to each institution to decide what you're going to do with that, with that money. So you can award them the same that you did, you know, the previous year or lower. You can't, if you, if you move, and it wouldn't count towards your 11.7. I know there's a lot of, a lot of things, but it won't count to your 11.7, but if you were to give them a dollar more than, than any dollar after more than that would count to your to total 11.7. So if you had a, a senior that was on no scholarship and he comes back this year and you want to give them, let's just say 50%, that whole 50% would count against your 11.7. But if you, you didn't give him anything, his body, basically he wouldn't count on your 35 man roster. So there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. Um, but, you know, again, it's just figuring it out and, and uh, just having honest communication with, with your players and, and your recruits. And, uh, and, um, and, you know, we just do it on a positive note. And we get it done. We're, it's going to be fine. And, um, but, yes, it's a lot, of, a lot of things going on right now. And so there's a lot of definitely nervous families, you know, nervous athletic departments. Um, and so we, we just got to figure it all out. And we will. Yeah. That's well, crazy. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to figure out, did they ever say, did they ever confirm uh, what they're doing about the MLB draft? Is it, is, well, did they cancel initially, it? no, what they did was they said they were going to have it and it was going to be five rounds and, and it could be more. And so my, our understanding is that right this second, 
the draft is going to be five rounds only. And, but that could change. It could change to 10 rounds. Um, but it's not going to, I don't, it's not going to be a 40 round draft. Right. And right, so right. Um, a lot of things can happen. I mean, a lot of, and that's, that's the other part of this thing and why rosters can get filled, right. Or, or be overloaded is that, you know, you have incoming guys or you have guys juniors on your team that could potentially, let's just say they had five rounds, right? Well, you know, you know how college baseball works, man. I mean, we're, we're thinking, hey, we have juniors that could get drafted, right? Maybe not in the top five rounds, but they'll still sign, you know, in the sixth round or the seventh round or even the tenth round or whatever. Same thing with your incoming class. You know, some, some schools, you know, are going to bank on, you know, hey, I got, you know, I got a six-rounder that may sign or whatever. Well, now, you know, when you have five rounds in the draft, you're going to get a lot of players. So now that's going to that's gonna cause some some roster issues, in teams and in groups. And so those are where the tough decisions are going to have to, are going to have to happen. And so, and, and everybody's in the same boat. And mm-hmm. so uh, um, that's, what's difficult about it. And, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, we have quite honestly, if they do five rounds, I mean, we got two guys that are right on the cusp of that. I and mean, we that's have two guys that are juniors that. Yes. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was, I was going to say like Seminaris is a guy. Yeah, I mean, there you go. He's right on that. Yeah. That threshold mm-hmm. of, is he mm-hmm. a mid-round guy, or is personally mm-hmm. I would draft him mm-hmm. in like probably the fourth round, but yeah, no, he you're right. I mean, that's and we've had that discussion, you know. I mean, he's right there. He's in that, you know, probably you know two to five round. I mean, he's right in there, and so you never know what can happen. You don't know which direction these teams now with. Let's just say they have five rounds. You don't know what direction they're going to go in, and maybe Adam is something they are looking for, or something they may not be looking for. I have no idea, and so. You know, a guy like Adam that we felt like for sure we're going to lose, right? He gets drafted, you know, he doesn't get drafted in top five rounds. You know, they, they try to sign him as a free agent where their max free agent signee is going to be 20000 and that's what they say. Adam won't sign for that. Get you know? out. Um, get the hell out. Yeah, and so especially with leverage next year as a junior again, you know. So, again, there's just, there's just a lot of things up in the air. And, again, all we can do as coaches right now is just communicate with these guys you know, and just keep them, keep them level, you know, make sure that they're not panicking and, um, and, you know, just keep them on gear. They're, they're all in school right now. So they're taking those online courses, making sure that they're, you know, on top of it academically, making sure that they're continuing to work out as much as they could with, with what they got at home. I'm, we're calling it prison workouts, man. Push ups, sit ups, you know, pull ups, you know, we got to just, you got to find, you got to find a way, you know, Yeah, yeah we're, we're all on that right now. <laughs> before, I, before I get into, you know, asking you about this year and, and your past yeah. a little bit, uh, yeah. it, let's say, you know, and I'm, like someone messes up, you know, in, in an mm. online class or something like that. Can you lay down mm. the hammer from Zoom <laughs> or from, uh, like, from your cell phone? Like, hey, buddy, like, give me, give me like 25 polls or something like that. <laughs> and just have them just have them do it on FaceTime in their right. phone while they're running. You know? Right, the whole time. So keep it in their left hand. You know, the whole time. that's funny, man. You know what? I think I think a lot of the I think everybody's kind of scared right now, right? Because it's just you know with the roster and, and so many guys on this. I think there's there's a, a fear of of man, do I have a spot on the team, or am I going to really have to you know now with all these guys, I'm really going to have to. So I, I think the that's the least of my concerns that they're going to be making, you know, bad decisions in the classroom or off the field because then that just gives me a lot more. It's just an easier decision for me to get my roster down. Ruling with an iron fist. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you got to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good idea, man. That's, you know what? I might, I may do that and just, 
just have them film, uh, you know, have them film running their uh, their wind sprints and just have, uh, like, their sister or brother or somebody hold the thing so I can do it. Or just tell them, yeah, you get in a simultaneous shoulder workout by just keeping your phone up the whole time. <laughs> you know what? We had an athletic, we had a, uh, uh, an athletic department meeting, a Zoom meeting the other day, and, and they were talking about that. Like, you have these limits now. You have, like, hour limits because, you know, a lot of these schools are trying to be you know, proactive with that kind of stuff and, like, doing workouts or, like, you know, like um, putting workouts together via Zoom and all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm not – Don't you don't have to worry about that stuff with me. I, I don't even – I barely know how to use a phone. So you don't have to worry <laughs> about me breaking any rules with how many hours we're doing Zoom workouts and all that stuff. So right, we're all good. Well, uh, well, Coach, I mean, you had previously mentioned, you know, when you got in in the fall, Alan had asked, you know, when mm-hmm. when did you realize that you guys were going to be pretty damn legit? You guys came out of the gates mm-hmm. busting ass this year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess my question is how mm-hmm. – and, and every head coach always has a, a phenomenal coaching staff. So how did mm-hmm. you get your coaching staff to communicate your vision so quickly mm-hmm. and – execute that vision i guess and get these guys to buy in so quickly right because it is hard you're taking over i mean they're not your recruits um mm-hmm. it, it's a whole new program it's a whole new culture how do you establish mm-hmm. that culture and get your staff to communicate that so fast man that's a good question and let me uh, i'll kind of go back to when you said you know those aren't your recruits or they're not your you know guys that you recruited and you know, you, you hear that a lot, and that's a very valid statement. While just think of yourself being in their shoes, right? And you may have, have, have been part of something like that on a coaching change or something like that. But when you got a coaching staff that comes in and, and, and tells you and, and acts and, and does and, and is truthful with you in the sense of, I am their coach, I am the guy that's here, you know, we're in this thing together. You know, it doesn't matter if I recruited you or not, you know, you're part of the family. Um, and let's go, it just, it, it immediately, and you're truthful and you're honest and they feel that and you're in it for those guys. That is, um, you know, that gets it immediately. That, that gets them to buy in immediately when, when you're real. And I mean, and yes, there's nightmare stories. Uh, you know, I, I played, you know, when, when there was a coaching change, I've been a part of them and, and, you know, there's nightmare stories of coaches going in and just, you know, kind of cleaning house and, and being, you know, just, just already looking ahead to the future when he gets his recruits in and all that. I, I, I don't buy that at all. I think that's weak. Um, I love you know, that. these guys are 18 to 22 year olds. When you come in, you can make a difference, man. And all these guys, they're good players. They're good kids. They come from good families. And we just came in and, and I have the best coaching staff in the world, man. I have guys that I can trust. I have guys that are really good on the field, but more importantly, they build relationships and we all build relationships with these guys. And, you know, we're down to earth and, and we're, we feel young, you know, we're not, we feel young and, and we feel like we can relate to our guys very well. It's a loose, it's a very loose atmosphere with a tough mindset, meaning that, you know, we let these guys play free. We let them, you know, have fun. Um, but they also know that we mean business and they know that they can be loose and do that as long as they're busting ass. And as long as they're good, you know, making good choices on it, on and off the field. And they're not, you know, making excuses and they are, you know, coachable and they're yes, sir, no, sir. You know, when it's, when you can do that, um, it works. And so nothing changed from what, you know, we've always done. Um, and, you know, so our coaching staff, I mean, Daniel Costanza and Brian Peters, 
Uh, we have Benny Bonilla and we have Ryan Day and Joey Notch. We got, we got, I mean, I got six, you know, six of us and we're all on the same page. Um, you know, they understand what we all want and, um, and we all work together. I mean, the one thing that's unique about us is that, you know, yes, we all have roles, right? I mean, I'm the head coach and, and, uh, and, and I have my role as a pitching guy and defense and, and, uh, all these different areas and, you know, PD, Brian Peter has the hitters and he coaches the outfielders and he coaches third runs the offense. And Danny Costanza does our infielders and he helps PD with the in, with the hitters and he coaches first and, and, you know, same thing, just all the way down, right? Everybody has their roles, but the one unique thing about us is that we all help each other. I mean, there's not, you know, PD helps me a ton with the pitching as far as getting the hitters perspective. And I'm the same way with the hitters, right? I mean, I, if there's anybody that knows hitting, it's pitching. It's the guys that throw against them, every single day so exactly we have a good right. idea i, I we, second that 100 percent. yeah we have a good idea as to you know how we're going to get hitters out so you want knowledge on both ends defensively the same thing i mean how you're you know where your defensive positioning is the catching the pitching so we are all in this together and our players know that so our players aren't going to be like wow this guy he's, he's our hitting coach talking about pitching he doesn't know it no, 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 that's, we're all coaches and, uh, and it makes, it makes us all better coaches. You know, I mean, it makes my young coaches be able to, you know, when, Hey, they could get another job somewhere and it could be as an infield coach, a hitting coach, a pitching coach, if they're able to coach and do anything, we're baseball coaches. And so, you know, we're all on the same page. And when you, when you can do that and when you have a staff that is all on the same page and, and we're all in this thing together and, and yes, Hey, we'll get in our, our little ruts where we're going to get on each other a little bit or, or at least, you know, I mean, I, as a head coach, you know, kind of do some things or say some things that, you know, I mean, Hey, I want to know why this is happening. I want to know how we're going to fix it and how, what we're going to do together to get this guy better and for him to not have a game like that or him to get out of this rut or whatever. But when you have a group that's together like that and respects each other and works hard and grinds it, the players see that and they're going to feed off of that. And so, and you have to have energy. If you want energy, you know, you want to have, you know, you want to have a team that has energy, then you better have your coaching staff better have energy. If you guys, if you're dead and you're just head down and you're just moping and you're just, you know, bad body language, your players are going to do that. And they're going to be that way. So, yeah. so uh, you know, that's just, that's just what we're all about. And which in turn, you know, our players, that's how they're going to be. No. Yeah. That's a, that's a phenomenal answer. I, I, so going, I mean, going back to communicating that culture, what exactly is, I guess, the culture that you try and instill? Because, I mean, we had a, obviously a brief conversation yesterday where, you know, I told you that every, I, I faced your teams in college and every mm -hmm. team has had the same identity. You know, it's mm -hmm. we're going to pitch, we're going to mm -hmm. play great defense, and we're going to put together competitive at-bats. And believe mm -hmm. it or not, like shockingly so, if you do that, you're in a mm -hmm. ton of games. And I say that with the mm -hmm. utmost sarcasm. Like, believe it or not, yeah. you throw strikes and you play catch, yep. you're going to be in mm -hmm. every game. But your culture is more than that. Like, it, it's – we had guys from mm -hmm. St. Mary's, like, staring us down after they struck someone out. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, okay, buddy, you like, go to school in Moraga. But <laughs> – that yeah, it, no. It was, it was cool to see. So I mean, and I would see that this year. So can you mm -hmm. elaborate on that a little bit? That toughness that you try and instill yeah. on top of the fundamentals of baseball. Absolutely, man. And, and that's a you know, and that that's an honor that you say all of that because that's exactly what 
we want our identity to be. Um, and you, you can only do it if you believe in it and how you believe in it is, is, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty simple actually, man. I mean, it's, it's what we try baseball is changing. Um, and, and it's changing a lot of different ways. It's becoming a lot more mental. It's becoming a lot more, you know, driven by analytics and driven by video and driven by drills and driven by all these different things and, and, um, breathing and laying down on your back and closing your eyes for 30 minutes uh, for practice. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, and look, I'm not, you know, it, it, that works for people. Um, I just do it differently. You know, I, am not, I'm, I guess I'm not very smart um, when it comes to a lot of those things and I don't get the analytics portion of this stuff. Um, and I'll be upfront and honest with all of my recruits and their families in that, I, mean, I was talking to a recruit yesterday and said this, I said this very thing. I said, look, if you're into, you know, closing your eyes for 30 minutes before practice and, and, you know, getting yourself mentally prepared for a day and, you know, breathing, you know, uh, having two wind, you know, big breaths before I throw every pitch on the mound and watching a million videos and drawing lines all over the place and throwing a, you know, a boulder against the wall and, and doing all of those. Hey, hey, you know what? who am I? Right. I mean, it's, it works for people. Great. That's just not what's going to happen here. And so when you are, when you have, and you know what, there's guys that say, coach, thank you for being honest. And I, you know, I need that, you know, I need to, to stay with that. And, and, you know, that helps me in my baseball career. Well, uh, you know, thanks for being honest and we'll see you down the line, you know? And so, you know, it's a, it's a simple minded approach that, you know, we, we grinded and not that every, and not that nobody else does. Everybody works hard. And that's the one thing that I, I explained to our guys that everybody works hard. Um, we understand that we really enhance and want to be that old school type of mentality group that take advantage of the thinkers. We want to be the group that takes advantage of the guys that they blame their, their unsuccessful at bats or their unsuccessful days with, I didn't get my preparation properly. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't sleep enough. I didn't eat my meals. I didn't do, hey, you struck out three times today because you swang and missed. You know what I mean? You you got on the mound and had a bad day today because you didn't throw strikes. You were up in the zone and you got behind on guys. That's why. You know, it just happens. And so um, you move forward and that's it. We do things that are a little off the wall, right? I mean, we – my dad's a boxing coach. He's been a boxing coach for over 40 years. Um, you know, I was born and raised in that. And, and so I, there's, there's, there's that sense of it too, where I push on our guys where, you know what, Hey, what's the worst thing that can happen when you're not prepared in baseball? If you're not prepared as a hitter, what's the worst thing you can happen? You strike out. Okay. What's the worst thing that can happen when you're not prepared as a pitcher? You know, you have a bad outing. Okay. Well, what's the worst, you know, if you're not prepared in boxing, I mean, what can happen to you? A lot can happen to you. You can have a broken nose, a broken jaw, you can die, you know? And so um, there's a different mentality that goes when it comes to boxers. Um, you know, I, I drive these guys with distance running, with endurance shape, which is different now too, right? I mean, now you got, you know, all the pitching guys and gurus saying that, you know, that the long distance running is terrible for, for pitching. Well, I've been doing it for 19 years and it's worked for me and, my dad's a boxing coach, and if there's any sport in 
in uh, in the world that that is explosive with their upper and lower body and is doing those movements like a hitter, like a pitcher, you know, using all those muscles, it's a boxer. And so when I'm watching, you know, HBO and I'm watching, uh, you know, when Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao are getting ready for fights and they're waking up at 5 a.m. running seven miles, you would think when they're making – 25 million a fight that they'd probably have the best strength and conditioning coach on earth. And when they're running, when some, when they're running at seven miles at five 30 in the morning, I would say that that's probably because it works in an endurance sport. And so, and it also, it also makes them tougher, you know, I mean, yes, you can put a workout together that is, you know, 20 yards apart and get somebody to throw up and whatever, but it's done in 15 minutes. Well, put on your, your headphones and go run for 45 minutes people don't want to do that because it sucks. It right. sucks. And, and it takes wow. long and it's grueling and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's yard work and, uh, and it's tough. And so when you, and, and that's just for me, that's just, it's, yes, it's endurance training, but more than anything, it just gets you tough and it gets you, it gets you to feel like you deserve success. And that's the biggest part. I always tell our guys, you have to work hard where you feel like, you deserve success. You get on the mound and you deserve to get out of this jam with runners on second and third and one out or, you know, bases loaded, two outs, game on the line. You deserve this moment because you've outworked your opponent because you guys all know, I mean, everybody works hard, right? I mean, right. every practice that these guys have are good practices. Every, everybody's getting up in the morning to lift. Everybody is getting, is running, you know, I mean, so how are we going to be different? How are we going to be, you know, tougher and, and, uh, and guys got to get on their own. They got to do things, they got to do things on their own. And I think that's what separates, uh, you know, us from others is that, you know, our guys buy into that and they buy into doing more and doing more on their own and, 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 uh, um, and wanting to feel that, that they deserve success. And so again, you know, I think when you piece all that together and when you constantly talk about, being tough and what does tough mean I mean that you know what does it mean because you you know that's that's the hardest thing I mean uh, you know my dad's always said you, you can't make a cat a dog you know and it's it's uh but you can you know I think you can get a guy to believe that he's tough maybe not in the street when he's in a street fight but when he's on that mound or he's in that box you can get a guy that you know maybe the softest guy out the field to be an animal in that box and on the mound and it's it's, it's me and it's our coaching staff to find a way to get that out of him. And so I feel like that is where we differ. And not to say that any of that other stuff is wrong, guys. You know, when I say the breathing and, and all that stuff, you know, maybe I don't believe in it as much as others. Um, and, 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 it, and, and I know it works for guys. And I know big leaguers, you know, some big leaguers do. I know all that stuff. It just, it's just not for me. And it's not for my team. And it's not for my program. Um, and we just feel like we're going to keep things simple. You know, we're going to keep them, you know, and, and you're right when it comes to the baseball part of it. You know, if we play, we always talk about the three things we got to do. We got to throw quality strikes. That's the first thing. That's the only thing we got to do with pitchers. We got to throw quality strikes. I don't care if you throw 95 or you throw 81 miles an hour. If you throw quality strikes, you're going to get outs. And the second thing is playing great defense, making routine plays. That's it. You know, I, I don't even care if they make one diving play all year. You make the routine plays, the balls that go right at you and you throw it right in the sternum of the first baseman all the time, we're going to be great. And the last thing is just execute offensively, put together good at bats, you know, don't strike out looking, you know, put the ball in play. Uh, when we ask you to bunt, get the bunt down, you know, bunting again, 10,000 drills to be able to, to do bunting that it's, it's not necessary. Put your nose right into it. 
and get the bunt down. You can talk somebody and scare them into putting the bunt down because there's most of the time they don't get the bunt down because they're scared and they don't want to stick their nose into it, you know? And so execute offensively when there's a guy on second base with nobody out, if you're a right-handed hitter, be late on the ball and hit a ground ball to the second baseman and get them over, you know, do your job. That's it. And there's nothing more. We're not asking you to hit a million home runs. We're not asking you to hit 400. We're just having you execute offensively. If we do those three things, we're going to win a lot of baseball games and we have energy. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell, man. It's a lot, um, but it's pretty simple. Um, you know, and again, you just create that mindset of toughness and who you recruit as well. You know, I think that, that these guys were tough before we got in here. So I think that's, you know, that wasn't a hard part is to get these guys to be, play with the chip on their shoulder and, and be foaming at the mouth when they play a different opponent and play with their chest sticking out. And, and uh, you know, but, but that's how you recruit. I want to recruit guys that are, that are tough. We're, we're different. And so we scare a lot of guys from, from not coming to play for us because we're a little much sometimes. And we tell families that, you know, I always tell families this, you got three, you know, we're, we're, families look at us three different ways. They look at us like, man, this is how I raised my son to be this way and to not make excuses and to be tough and be an animal. I want him to continue to have that playing for, for this team. And then there's family number two that says, you know, I've, I've treated, you know, I've raised my son to be, you know, a good kid and he's a good student. And, you know, he's, he's yes, sir, no, sir, but he's a little soft in certain areas, man. I want him to play for this coach because that's the one thing he's missing. And, uh, and then there's parent three that goes, oh, heck no, this isn't the right thing. My son needs to be with somebody that's going to, you know, love on him and put his arm around him and just tell him everything's going to be okay. And so, um, you know, we'll, we find the right guys. Most of the time we, we make the right choices because we do a, a really good job of getting in deep with these guys and uh, finding out who they are, making sure they're the right fit for our program. Right on, right on. Well, that, I mean, Coach, you're you're getting me to want to run through a brick wall or just throw up a pen right now. No, uh, seriously, yeah. yeah no, Flashbacks. I mean, everything that you're, like, preaching right now is just – that's music to my ear. I mean, you're the perfect coach for Devereaux Harrison, by the way. <laughs> that does my man. I talked and, to him today. I love him. Yeah, no, I, I was actually texting with him yesterday. So, uh, yeah. he's phenomenal. Coach, we're not going to yeah. take too much uh, – of your time you know we're we're gonna probably ask one more question each but yeah my last no my last question is is really you mentioned recruiting i mean that's mm -hmm. that's what you do like you you are a mm -hmm. dog on the recruiting circuit mm -hmm. that's that's mm -hmm. how you built your programs you know from mm -hmm. when you were first at st mary's to when to where you mm -hmm. are now mm -hmm. who did you who instilled that I guess that mentality that, Hey, I got to be mm -hmm. on the road. I got to be a, a, a damn dog on the recruiting circuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, hey, I've been lucky enough to just be around some really, really good coaches, you know, from, from a player, um, you know, and here's the thing. I'm one of a, a bunch of guys that were, were transfers. So not, not JC transfer. I went to Arizona state out of high school, played two years there um, and then transferred got my scholarship taken away, um, you know, for, in, in, in an over-recruiting type of of, uh, of spot, and that's okay, you know. I mean, I never made excuses back then as a player as to why, you know, why I got my scholarship taken away. I mean, my, you know, I mean, parents nowadays would, you know, at times go to the athletic director and cause a big stink. My dad told me, well, you wouldn't have taken your scholarship if you weren't good. If you, I mean, if you were good, if you were good and we're going to make a big impact on his team, you wouldn't have taken your scholarship, so you got to move on. 
And so, you know, I moved on and, and, uh, and played at Pepperdine and finished there. And, and so, you know, I never had any hard feelings for, for my time at Arizona state. I love Pat Murphy, who's, who's, uh, you know, now a big league bench coach for the Brewers. And I still to this day have a great, you know, a great uh, relationship um, with him. But if you look at, you know, kind of where I came from with that, I mean, you look at that staff. So Pat Murphy, our head coach at ASU, you know, I was there in 97, 98. We went to Omaha in 98 and lost in the national championship game to USC. You know, that staff had Nino Geritano, who's the head coach at USF now. And the other assistant was, uh, was uh, Doug Schreiber, who's the head coach at Purdue for a lot of years. And then I transferred to Pepperdine. And I played there for three years, and I graduated from Pepperdine. Our head coach was Frank Sanchez, who, you know, he coached at USC, and then he was the head coach at Pepperdine. And he ended up – he got sick and ended up having to retire early. But my assistant coaches on that staff for the first year was Dave Esker, and he had this – for my second year at Pepperdine, he got the job at Cal, and that's when he was gone. So I was one year with Dave Esker, who ended up being a head coach at Cal, and now is at Stanford. Then for my last two years, our assistant coaches were Rick Hernsteiner, who's the head coach at Pepperdine now, and Steve Rodriguez, who's the head coach, who was the head coach at, at Pepperdine and is now the head coach and doing a great job at Baylor. And so, I mean, that's that's five years around all of those coaches. Um, and then having the opportunity to get my first coaching job right out of college. Um, literally, I graduated in, you know, in the in the spring of '01, and then I was I was a volunteer assistant coach at St. Mary's College in that fall so the fall of 01 I was the I was you know I was 22 years old already in division one coaching and so being you know part of that staff with John Batista and then two years later getting the pitching job and full-time job at, at University of San Diego with Rich Hill so now you know you got there's more guys you know that I'm around that are great coaches and great mentors um, there for six years and after year two we hired Jay Johnson from Point Loma and he me and him worked together for four years at uh, University of San Diego so you know we we grinded together and, and did that and then you know and then I got the job at, at uh, San Diego State with Tony Gwynn and around Mark Martinez who's the head coach there now and so again I was just lucky man lucky to be around all these guys that that are great coaches and great mentors and great people um, and when you're around those type of guys they make you want to work man. they make you you, you want to be like them you know and even those days as a coach you can ask Steve Rodriguez from Baylor right now. When I played at Pepperdine in 2000 and 2001, I used to pick his brain. He used to sit, him and Hertensteiner, I would sit in their office while they were on the phone with recruits just because I was so passionate about how this whole recruiting thing worked and, and how you talk to co you know players because I, I went through the process you know, as a recruit in high school and I talked to a million coaches. And, and I just remember to this day, some conversations were like, oh, man, I'm not playing for that guy. And then there's some conversations were like, oh, man, this is I want to play for this dude. This dude is awesome. You know, and so I was just always passionate about that. So when it came to and I'm competitive. So when it came to recruiting and it was us against another program and me against this coaching staff or or our program against theirs, I mean, that's a battle. man. so that's who's going to work the hardest to get this recruit. Who's going to build that relationship? Who's going to find the you know, the Barracuda, as I call it, is the person that's the most influential in get, helping this guy make the decision. You know, maybe it's mom, it's grandma, it's aunt, it's uncle, whoever, you know, just finding ways to get in there, finding out the girlfriend's names and getting in this thing. And it's real, man. It's, it's really wanting to know what this guy is all about for number one, the fit, but number two, to really show these guys that, hey, we're in this, we're going to build relationships. This is how you're going to be good because you know we're going to know how to get to you you know that's the biggest thing i think is that 
we do such a, I feel like we do a good job of understanding our players in and out that these guys are all different. So they all need to be treated differently. You know, some guys need a kick in the ass to get better and to move forward and, and to grow. And some guys, they can't handle that. So if you know that because you build relationships, you know that you can't push them too much, that they do sometimes need a, you know, arm around them telling them, Hey, keep pushing. You're good. You're going to get this, you know? And so that's our job as coaches is to really find that and, and really find what each, what each individual what gets them going, what gets them ticking. And that can start in the recruiting process. And you'll get guys to buy into that if you're real. And, and you know, we'll, we'll get guys because they want, you know, they want to be part of a program that is different. They want to be part of a program that's, that's a little off the wall, that's a little tougher, that takes a take pride in, in beating teams because we're going to take advantage of weakness. You know, we're going to take advantage of mental guys, you know, that are, trying to do all this and that instead of just playing hard-nosed baseball and keeping it simple and running hard and, you know, backing up bases and getting to the next base and, you know, and, and making routine plays and all those type of things. So, you know, I, I think that's that's a lot of it. And you got to be passionate. If you're not passionate about what you do or you're not passionate about the program that you're part of, then you're not going to have a lot of passion on the phone and, and recruits are going and families are going to see right through you. Yeah. All true stuff, coach. You know, you're just coming with the gems today. Thank you for all of this. Um, so for those of you in the pre-show, uh, found out that me and coach grew up, or at least I was growing up about uh, a street away from each other. We live in the same kind of um, complex, if you will, mm -hmm. neighborhood mm -hmm. from Concord, California. Mm -hmm. Shout out. Concord, California. Not yep. only that, we both share... Um, a pass of transfers. I went to Sonoma State. Everybody else that, that listens to the show knows, went to Sonoma State, ended up <laughs> mm -hmm. leaving, going to a junior college, then went to Temple University. So shout out to all the mm -hmm. transfers. Never give up on your dreams. Uh, but coach, Absolutely. I did want to ask you a quick mm -hmm. question about, I know it's your first year at Long Beach, but in my head, I've always mm -hmm. had it um, that Long Beach and Cal State Fullerton, they have to be rivals. Because they mm -hmm. seem so similar to me, both kind of like, you know, uh, teams that are known for baseball, right? When not, mm -hmm. there's only there's only a couple teams even in the U.S., or, you know, all schools, there's only a, like mm -hmm. a handful, maybe 15 that are known for baseball. They're both in the same area. You know, they both mm -hmm. kind of have that identity. Um, are mm -hmm. you actually rivals or did I just make this all up in my mind? Oh, 100% rivals, and I okay. respect those guys. A, I, I respect, I respect those guys a ton. You know, I've known those guys over the years. Baseball is such a unique sport in the sense, especially out west, where, you know, it's like they're your summer family, right? You're out recruiting and on the on the hunt for for all summer long, and so you see all these guys and you build relationships with them too. But let's not get it twisted here. You know, when we're we're into it with a recruit, I mean, it's uh, it's all about us and and you know and and trying to get these guys over them and. Obviously, we have a lot of recruiting battles with them, and so we're always trying to get that edge and trying to do that. And so, obviously, coming here now, um, yeah, we want to get that thing rolling and have that uh, rivalry uh, skyrocketing. And, and uh, yeah, so I'm pumped, man. This is this is a good, it's great baseball, and it's local. It's right here, Orange County. And uh, oh yeah, um, you know, we get after it with these recruits, and they do a good job. And and uh, and so are we. So so that's a lot of fun. And we didn't get okay. to have it this year, so. Right. No, I'm glad because I'm like, they have to be rivals. I just always thought that. Um, and then I guess, yeah, the bonus question here, 
this mm-hmm. is we've been asking everyone this who has been on the show. So there's mm-hmm. this new thing that's been going around. I know you've seen it, um, where the pitcher is wearing basically a arm sleeve and they mm-hmm. have the numbers and they're getting right. the numbers from the catcher or the pitcher. It's a whole mm-hmm. new system. Mm-hmm. Based on what right. you've told us throughout this show, I'm pretty sure we know how you feel about it, but we're going to ask you anyway. What do you think well, about let, that? Coach, let, let me ask you. Let, let me ask you after your let, let me ask you since you've heard me for 30 minutes here and just yap away, do you think my pitchers wear the armbands to pitch or not? I'm going to go with a hell no. Coach, <laughs> I'm going to go with a fuck no. All right. <laughs> I, I think that right. if someone no. were to be wearing that on 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 your team, you yeah. uh, you might rip rip their hand off. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, you're, there's going to be a college baseball coach that's listening to this, and <laughs> their their players wear it, and when they and then they're going to beat us, and they're going to get one of those wristbands and throw it in our dugout. But you know what? No, we don't. And you know what? A lot of the guys, look, here's the thing, man. Those things, some of those things work, you know, the breathing works, you know, the throwing the the heavy balls that works for some guys, you know, I mean, you know, I'm watching, it's crazy, right? You have so much time on your hands. Now you're watching Twitter and you've seen all these things and there's, you know, it's like all virtual learning now right now because nobody can get out of the house and do things. So you're seeing all these drills and PVC pipes and, you know, guys swing. Hey, look, you know, I'm not talking guys do what they do. We do what we do. There's probably guys that are going to listen to this and go, this guy's just BS, man. This, this, this old school stuff doesn't work. He's not, he's, he's outdated, you know, and, and he doesn't, you know, they're, they're not, he's not allowing his guys to grow. You know, that's going to be, you know, that could be said too. And so again, it's what you're about. My thing is if I were trying to do something that I'm not, I'm not familiar with how good am I going to be at teaching that, right? How good am I going to be at how much justice am I going to do my players? If I'm, yes, I'm trying to learn this analytics and trying to learn how to use these systems, but I'm not very good at it. So how much benefit is that going to be for my players? What I do has worked for me. Yes. I continue to grow by experience and learning, you know, how, how to get to my guy. My I'm, I'm more about getting guys to compete with whatever they have and recruiting good players, right? You have to recruit good players and you don't screw them up and that's it. And so I'm more concerned with getting guys to compete because you can, you can get a guy to compete with anything that they have. I don't care if he's throwing 82 miles an hour, find a way to get outs. You know, I don't care if he's weak and can't hit a ball out of the infield, find a way to get on base, get hit, walk a lot, drag bunt, push, you know, whatever it may be, find a way. And that is, that's what we try and do. And if we have to mold a guy from the ground up and, and, and have to totally turn him around from the ground up, then you know what? He's, he's probably not the right fit for our program. He's probably in the wrong, you know, he's probably in the wrong division. Right. So that's well, just what it comes down to. Coach? Yeah, especially, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Alan. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, at the end of the day, these, these kids are 18, 22, but – you know, so they're all young adults, but they're still adults. So if you're trying to teach something that you don't believe in, they sniff mm-hmm. that out quick. You know what I 100%. mean? They sniff it out real quick. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Absolutely right. That, that is right. And I believe in what we do. I believe that it works. We keep our guys healthy. Our pitchers, I, I you know, knock on wood, we haven't had any arm injuries in years and years. And, and you know, and, and I think a lot, a lot has to do with our endurance, endurance training. I believe that. 
that, you know, we run a lot. We get on, they run miles, you know, and yes, we'll have our sprint work and yes, we'll do our explosiveness, but 80% of it is getting on the road and run, you know? And, and so I feel like a lot of pitchers break down at, you know, when they do it's that it's because their endurance is down and their body, you know, and, and yes, you know, they may be explosive and that arm is on fire and it's blowing through, but their, their body and their legs are, are tired and they're not in shape and they blow out, you know? And so that's just, that's just my opinion. My guys don't get hurt, you know, knock on wood, we stay healthy um, and we run a ton. And so, you know, I don't know, it works for me and, and um, our guys believe in it because they feel great when they're on the mound at the sixth, seventh inning, they feel like it's the first or second inning, you know? And so um, I just believe in it. It works for us. And we just do what I, you know, we do what, what's worked for us. And, and, uh, and that's it. Yeah. Coach, we, uh, this was a phenomenal time. Um, I think I speak for, for Alan and myself, you know, definitely, when we, definitely. When we say this, this was awesome. This was better than we could ever even imagine. Uh, uh, I appreciate it, man. This is fun. It's fun to talk, man. It is because, you know, it's just different. You know, it, it just, uh, I like, you know, and, I, and believe me, I, I have my, I'm listening to all these podcasts and listening to all these things and trying to get better as well. And that's you part of it, you know. Yeah. Podcasts? You subscribe What's that? Are you subscribed? Heck yeah, I did. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Friend of the show. Big time. Friend of 100%. the show. 100%. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, this is a great thing. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, you, you just, it's just like, you know, when you're, when you're coaching and you hopefully, you know, you get one person to, to, to get better or to learn something. And, and same thing with me. When I, when I listen to these things and, and I hear other coaches and other leaders or whoever talk, you know, you, you want to take something out that's going to be good and be useful for your team and be useful. And, and it might be useful for one player and go, man, that could work for this guy, you know, yeah. and, and uh, or it could work for the whole team. It could work for the program. It could work for me, you know, yeah. and that's what this is I all mean, about. So I appreciate you right. guys. Of course. And look, this is turning into, you know, this is probably – uh, can be used as a recruiting tool for you as well. I mean, anybody who heard this, they know what they're getting into. Now, so this is this is good stuff. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad, man. You know, it might be, yeah. hey, we've been recruiting this guy and he loves us, but now he hears this and he's like, oh, no. Then you know what? <laughs> I know what you would say. I know what you would say to that. He wasn't the one for you then. He wasn't no, the he wasn't. Yeah, right. I'd say, yep, yep. I'd tell yeah. him to go get hugged by some other coach. Yeah. <laughs> Plug and play, baby. Plug and play. That's how we do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, Coach, I mean, I just want to let you know before, you know, before we step out here, we're officially, mm. by the way, you're welcome on anytime. Literally anytime. anytime. Oh, man, I love it. Like, Absolutely, anytime. man. Whenever you guys are bored, whenever you guys are bored, let's go. We can do, we can do it, man. <laughs> we can talk other things too, man. I mean, current events, you know, whatever yeah. you want. Oh, you know, I mean, do we, it. I could, we could go on for hours about boxing probably. Uh, I mean, that, that's, are you kidding me? That's like my passion. Oh. I'd rather watch a, you know, I'd rather watch a prize fight than watch Game Seven of the World Series, man. That's Coach Fernando Vargas, born and raised. Back in the day, when I was a kid, my favorite boxer. What's that? Yeah. Who Vargas. is this? Oh, I love Fernando Vargas. We actually, I would go and, you know, my dad was an Olympic coach, and he he coached a lot of teaching assistants things at the training facility and all that stuff. And Fernando was one of his, you know, one of the guys that he used to used to help out a ton. So we would go to Vegas, especially even and we go visit his gym and see his sons and that kind of thing. Cause now he's training his boys. But yeah, are you kidding me? I used to have the Fernando Vargas haircut. Are you kidding me back in the day, man? The like the bald all the way except just have the bangs. I mean that was like my college deal, you know? So he was a yeah, he was one of those guys I looked up to too. 
That's awesome. <laughs> well, my dog's name, my dog's name, I have a one-year-old boxer. His name, of course, he's a boxer. And his name is Hegler. Wow. So he's, named after, he's named after marvelous Marvin Hegler, who was a middle, middleweight champion of the world in the 80s. Wow. You know? I love it. So. I love it. I love it, Coach. We're officially Team Long Beach over Team Fullerton. <laughs> there you go. You got it right. Rivalry. You're obviously home of Snoop. Home of Snoop. Don't forget it's the home of Snoop. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. The beach. Come on. Yeah. Absolutely. Snoop, Sublime, all of them, man. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, Jeez. Coach. We. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you again. Thanks uh, again. Appreciate it. You're welcome on any time. Take care. Stay healthy. Tell your family. Stay Same healthy. Here, guys. Um. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. All right. See ya. You guys just heard a phenomenal interview with Long Beach State Baseball's head coach, Eric Valenzuela. If you would like to advertise with us, email believe at believe.com. We are welcome to any advertisements with open arms. Um, we're a very welcoming group. So email believe at believe.com. We'd love to have you. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.